Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. Let's pray. God, we invite your goodness to be in our presence right here in this service. And uh, we pray that we reflect that goodness in our world today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Hey, welcome, whether you're joining us online or uh, right here in the building. Uh, If you're a guest here today, my name's Britt. I serve here as the lead pastor, and I just want to be one of the first or maybe the tenth to tell you welcome, say welcome to Sunridge Community Church. Um, I want to tell you about something that's coming up here at Sunridge on July 30th. We're doing baptisms, and if you have become a Christian in the last year, the last month, the last 25 years, the last 100 years of your life, and you have never been baptized, you've never followed Jesus in believer's baptism, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can check out online, or uh, you can check in our, um, in our weekly bulletin that comes out, that, uh, you know, all the details of that, and you get all your questions answered. So, uh, take that step. Don't be afraid. Everybody here, as you'll see, they're for you when you get baptized. None of us are going to make fun of you or anything like that. So, hey. So, you know, as parents, one of the most important things we do for our kids is to give them their name. Sometimes, though, you wonder if parents were really paying attention when they, it's like they didn't really think it through. For instance, the name Brit. You know, uh, I was going to be Mark until my dad saw a cowboy movie way back in the day, and the guy's name was Britt, and that's how I ended up with my name. That's a true story. And, you know, today it might be kind of a cool name. I, I dig it. But you have not lived with this name. I am the only guy so far in my life, the only male that I've ever met that has a 2T Brit. I've met some girls with two T's, but I've yet to meet a guy with two T's as Brit. They're always, you know, like a lesser version of a one T Brit. (laughs) But I wonder what my parents are thinking, because you know what my initials are, right? Okay. And I wonder if my parents didn't realize what my name was going to rhyme with in elementary school. Brit Spit. You know, I, I guess I probably don't have it as bad as some, though. For instance, Frank Zappa, great musician of my era. Uh, he has a daughter named Moon Unit, and her siblings are named Dweezil and Diva Muffin. Okay? And then in the 1930s, the name Ima was popular. Which is fine, except if, you know, as the governor of Texas, 
around that period, whose last name was Hog, named his daughter Ima. So, figure it out. Then there's the name Fanny. No comment there. Do you know uh, the actor Rob Morrow? Um, he gave his daughter an uncommon name that comes from the French language, which means you. And the word is two. I'm going to put it up there so you can see it. Two. But did he realize her name was going to be two morrow? <laughs> Think about it. And then can anyone say one of Elon Musk's ten children? I think it is. He has a child named this. I don't even know how to say that, so I guess they just call him X for you know, obvious reasons. But thank God you and I, as responsible parents, have taken naming our children much more seriously than that. Uh, you know, most of us, you know, got one of those thick books with babies' names in it, or we consulted our genealogies and our family or our family history. We looked online, you know, in the more modern world for some of the more popular names of our era. Um, sometimes we even look, at, look up Bible names for our children, um, and we typically look at every possible angle of what might be done to that name. It's a great name, but our kid would face this, so we eliminate it. Um, names matter to us. And I'm not just talking about the letters that form our name in, in a certain arrangement or the verbal sounds that come out when someone calls us by our name. When I say our name matters to us, I'm talking about our reputation. And did you know that... Uh, God's name matters to him, too. If you're just joining us, uh, we're in a study of the life of Moses. And uh, even if you're not religious, you probably know some things about him. For one, he split the sea, he led the Israelites out of Egypt, and God gave him the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And we've been looking at each one of those individually this summer, so it's kind of a series within a series. And we've talked about how important it is to study this with the right perspective, their original intention. And if you haven't checked out the first in the series, uh, the Ten Commandments, for reading the Ten Commandments, I encourage you to do that. Because the Ten Commandments are not just a list of rules, but they are a way of living. They are a covenant that God made with the Israelites 3,500 years ago, the Bronze Age, and it was kind of like a marriage vow with these people. They committed to one another, and God gave them these values, these ten different principles to, to distinguish themselves from other people. And so far, we've looked at commandment number one was, you shall have no other gods. In other words, worship the right God, right? You, that, you can see why that's a big deal. You can't go around worshiping the wrong God. And remember, the Israelites came out of a culture where they, they literally had hundreds and hundreds of gods. And you chose the God that you wanted for the thing that you wanted. You would just pick your God. Uh, in contrast, God said, don't worship any other gods. I'm the only God. I'm the true God. So remember who I am, the God who rescued you and has led you out of slavery from Egypt. The second commandment, as Jed covered last week, it pairs with the first. Don't make idols. So commandment two prohibits the worship of false gods are worshiping the one true God in the wrong way. In other words, if there is only one God, 
then don't create or allow things to rival his supreme presence in your life. So those first two are pretty foundational. I know you can see that. But when we come to number three, let's read it. First of all, in the NIV, Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, I will show you that in the King James Version. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, if you ask the average person, what does this commandment mean? They would probably tell you that, well, to take God's name in vain means no cursing. With a special, with a special emphasis on not using God's name in your string of cursing. So watch what you say. Don't swear. And for sure, no OMGs, right? And if you think that's what it means, you're partially right. But the third commandment is much bigger than just a swear word here or there. One of the things that we said in our first, in our kind of overview of the Ten Commandments is that we said there's a lot more to them than just their face value. In other words, there's more than meets the eye. And commandment three is more than, a good re, more than just a good reminder to watch your mouth if you're teaching in our Sunday school, right? I want to say that's a good idea too, and we really appreciate it if you do that. But in order to understand commandment three, we really need to understand three concepts, three words that are in this commandment, okay? So in the NIV, you may have noticed when I put these up, uh, the NIV translators have combined two words into one thought. It's misuse. Here it is again in the NIV again. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. So the NIV compresses two words into one, misuse. Other versions like the English Standard Version or the King James keep those thoughts in separate. They keep them separate like here in the New American Standard. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. So it's separated. So number one, we need to know, what does it mean to take? To take the, the, the Lord's name. It literally means to pick up and carry. Did you know that? The, the Hebrew word is nasah. And so it, the, the picture here is that you pick up the name of God with you, and you carry it where you go. We'll color that in in a minute, but eventually you'll see even in the, uh, there are instructions, further into the law, there are instructions for how the high priest is to come before God and represent the people. And what the high priest would do is he would wear this vest with these stones that are embedded in it. And so the picture here, there was a stone for every tribe of Israel. And the picture there is that the priest would come before God carrying the names of the people that he's representing. So he bears the name of the people as he enters the temple. So in the Old Testament, carrying the name is used two different ways. Number one, there's the high priest carrying the names of God's people before God. 
And then here, in, this, in the third commandment, it is God's people carrying God's name to the surrounding nations. Isn't that a great picture? I love that. So when we know that, it really changes the meaning of what it means to carry the name of God in vain. It's not just don't use God's name as a, as a curse word. So the second word or phrase is in vain. What does that mean? In a worthless way, toward a futile purpose, carelessly. The idea then here is that the Israelites bear God's name, and as, as their God, they represent him to the world, and they carry his name to the nations, and as they do it, they're not to do it in a worthless or careless manner. So commandment three indicates to us that a person is capable of carrying God's name, but doing it badly. That you could bear the name of God in a way that fails to hit his intended purpose, or worse, actually misrepresent God and who he is. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, all three of you. So remember, these first three commandments are foundational to the next seven. There's one God who rescued you. Two, don't worship other gods. Don't allow other things to rule you. Three, because I've placed my name on you. You represent me. So do it well. Don't mess it up. And how serious is God about that? And this is really the third word we should translate. Again, I'm going to put it up. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who uses who misuses his name. To be guiltless is to go unpunished or to be blameless. So if we carry God's name carelessly or without his intended purpose, God says, I will not hold you guiltless for doing that. This is a serious command. Because this command is synonymous with God's reputation, his character, who he is, what he stands for, his values, just like we would describe our name and the importance of our reputation. And isn't our reputation one of the most important things about us? It's why slander is so bad. It's why we call it character assassination. Right? Proverbs 22.1, a good name, the wise man says, is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. In other words, to be known as a person of character is more important than anything else. To know that when you say something, your word is solid. That you're the kind of person that you work hard even if the boss isn't watching. That's our reputation. And we've said that the Ten Commandments tell us who God is, and this third commandment tells us something about God, and this is the big idea to me, of this commandment. God's reputation is supremely important to him. His reputation is supremely important to him. Consider the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy above all things. When Moses was receiving his assignment, we read this 
from God to lead the Israelites out from Egypt. He said, God, what if, what if they don't follow me? What if they won't listen to me? And in 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God says, when the people question you, Moses, what you do is you tell them my name. You tell them that I sent you. When Moses was confronting Pharaoh later to let the Israelites go, God told Moses, this is what you're to tell Pharaoh, Exodus 9.16. I've raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. In Ezekiel 35 and 36, God is promising Israel that he will deal with the nations that seek their demise and why he will do so. And he speaks to the prophet Ezekiel, and here's what he says in 36.22, Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for, my, for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. In other words, God says, I'm going to vindicate you, my people, not because you're awesome, not because you deserve it, I'm going to do it for the sake of my holy name. Young David understood how important God's reputation was to him as he approached the battlefield with the giant, Goliath, right? And he had to sit there and listen every day as, this, as Goliath came out and ridiculed the name of God and God's people. And as he came out to the giant to fight him, in 1 Samuel 17, 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in what? The name of the Lord. Do you know that even ancient Hebrew rabbis wouldn't even speak the name of God? And some Orthodox Jews still, still follow this practice. And Jewish scribes would stop, and before they wrote the name of God, they would wash their hands and then write it. All because they revered the name of God, because they knew God was passionate about His name and His reputation. So you say, well, that's great, Britt. God is sensitive about his name. He wants to have a good reputation. I can see that's all over the Bible. And he wants his people to reflect his name. But what does that have to do with you and me? Temecula Valley, 2023. What does that mean for my family? What does it uh, mean for me tomorrow when I go to work? What does commandment three have to do with my life? And how in the world am I misusing his name? today. How could I possibly do that? I don't use God's name in vain as a curse word except on rare occasions to make a point. And plus, I mean, that's Old Testament anyway, right? Well, I'm going to let the great British, British preacher and author speak to that. G. Campbell Morgan. I'm going to put it up on the screen. The form in which commandment number three is broken most completely and most terribly is by those Christians whose lives do not square with the faith that they claim to have. Oh. As Christians, we bear God's name. Every Christian's life reflects upon God's name. Every Christian's life reflects upon God's name. First of all, God's name is every bit as powerful and important as it was in Moses' day. In Romans 10, 13, the Apostle Paul wrote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And the early apostles in Acts 4.12 said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. So for a human being to become a child of God, to become a Christian, to enter into a relationship with the Almighty God, the Bible says that they must believe in and call on the name of the Lord. It's what we must do to enter into the kingdom of God. But it's also the only thing that we do to do so. That's, that's the power of God's name. His name has the power to change our eternal destiny and to change entirely who we are from the inside out. And then there's you and me. Having done that already, known as Christians, realizing that our lives are going to impact someone to lead them toward God or away from God. The idea that my life is going to give people an impression of who God is and how I live my life is going to be a contributing factor as to who people think God is. Are they going to get an accurate picture? When I hand over my life to Jesus, when I place my faith in Him, I take on His name. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors, we're representatives of God. And that's why Paul wrote so many times about how we live is so important. Colossians 1.10, we're to live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. In other words, live up to my name. Just as the nation of Israel was called to do in the Old Testament. Through the grace of God, as Christian people, we bear the name of God and we carry His name into the world. Just as the Israelites were to reflect God's name among the nations, so that's what Christians do today. We, we, we bring light to the world, and Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, and that light is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be put on a hill and shined, and if that salt isn't salty, it's not even good to make road base out of, Jesus said. We said that each of the Ten Commandments are represented in the New Testament, and Commandment 3 is all through Jesus' teaching and all over your New Testament. As one of His, you carry His name, so don't do it in vain. Among all the things that are important to you and me in life, having a good marriage, being a good husband, being a good father or a good mom, good wife, working hard, being productive, moving up, getting ahead, taking care of my family, having fun, taking vacations, flossing my teeth regularly. <laughs> and all of those things, the thing that should be most important to those of us who name the name of Jesus is to make sure that we represent Jesus well. Paul said it as plainly and as simply as it can be said in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him.
Another way of just asking ourselves about this is to give ourselves a gut check is this. Is God's reputation important to me? Is his reputation important to me? Are you thinking about God's reputation when you go to work? When you're with your kids? The way you talk? The way you talk about others? How you treat your husband or your wife? What you say about them? How you say it? With what you put on social media? And how I prepare to be a volunteer in my church or how I interact with people around me or my community. I cannot carry God's name in a way that tarnishes His reputation, that is false or deceitful, or in a way that gives people the wrong impression of who God is. And I have to tell you, you guys with me? Barely? I think that this is a big problem. It's a big problem today, Christian. We are fumbling and stumbling all over commandment three. And in some cases, we're really proud of doing so. You say, Brick, come on now. How are we doing that? Well, number one, we break commandment three when we use his name in saying things that are false. We break commandment three when we say things, we use his name to say things that are false. That can mean factually false, or it could be falsely representing who God is. You know, this year, a rumor got, leg, got legs in this community about something that was happening in a school in the valley. And it was passed around on social media, and people got all riled up about it. It's a big issue. And, it was, and it was, as it was shared on social media, it said, we don't even know if this is true, but we wanted to tell you about it. It was false. It was insinuating that the, it was insinuated that the administration of that school was trying to avoid dealing with the issue. And that made people reasonably so, all the more upset. That was false, too. And it was all in the name of God. That's false. That is a for sure commandment three violation. Right? And by the way, we're going to get to commandment nine, which says don't give false testimony about your neighbor. Christians, this is going on all the time. Now look, I hope you're still with me, but I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion, that I can't have an opinion. Of course we do. And not all Christians are going to agree on this issue or that issue. But when we say things that are false, or we initiate rumors that aren't true, and we bring God's name into it, we are bringing a reproach on God. And those that do should confess and repent. It doesn't matter who you are. There are many things going on in the world to be concerned about. But 
If we have to make false statements to make a point, maybe we don't have a point. It doesn't matter if I just really want to believe it about a person either. God will not hold us guiltless for carrying His name in vain. For carrying His name with a rumor, a falsehood, or a fantasy. You guys okay? I'm giving you God's Word straight up. I realize that. Another way we break commandment three is when we use God's name to give authority to our agenda. When we use God's name to give authority to our agenda. This is kind of connected but separate. Do you know how easy it is to use the phrase, God told me? I mean, I've said it. Have you said it? We need to be careful about that. When we have an idea or an opinion or a position or an agenda and we say, well, this is what God told me. What if I said to you guys next week, you know, God told me that we need to replace the carpet upstairs in this building, which we do. Uh, But God told me that uh, each of you should give $3,000 to that. Would you go, God's not talking to you, Britt, because he's been saying I should give $10,000 to the carpet. Now, you can check me uh, if you want, but I don't think I've ever said anything like that. Um, I can say that we have a responsibility to take care of this asset that God gave us, but I, you know, we have to be careful how we use that phrase. Sometimes we use God's name to give our plan or our wants or our agendas or our opinions, and so then God told me becomes this unassailable thing. Do you get it? It's like as soon as you say... Um, God told me this. How am I supposed to have a different view? It's impossible, right? The Lord told me to do this. Which, I know, I'm not not trying to make a point that isn't a point, but like, are you tracking with me here? Like, we have to be careful how we use that. And I know, I mean, we have impressions from God. God nudges us through His Holy Spirit. God nudges me, too. But we can't use His name in a frivolous manner. And we can't use that expression in a way to make it impossible for somebody to hold a different position than us. If you want to give authority to something that you believe or you say, then you should be able to point to Scripture, the teachings of Jesus, or even the manner in which Jesus did the thing or talked the thing that he did. Anything else is a violation. Commandment 3. Last, we break commandment three when we use God's name in support of ugly personal attacks. You guys. Another election year is approaching. It's already here, right? We've been through this before. It's already making my stomach hurt and my heart break because we're all passionate about the things that we're passionate about. That's our right as Americans. And you know what? Those of you who know me well, you know I can let it rip just as good as anybody. The truth is, in in the Christian tent, there are people that just think differently. 
And uh, it's worthy of debating and discussing. But this is a democracy we live in. And um, that's fine. I hope that we... That's something Christians, I think, need to learn to do better today. But, um, but then there are people that just make everything ugly and personal. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're just checking out church, first of all, I want to apologize publicly to you for the way some of us have behaved. And, um, but if you're not a Christian, you can just ignore what I'm saying right now because uh, I wish everyone could be nice and work and play well with others, but I've realized that that's not going to happen. But if you're a Christian, I want you to hear me because I'm going to be your pastor and your friend right now. And I hope when this message is over, I'm still both. If you're a Christian, you have to get this. What we say and how we say it is so important. We carry the name of the living God. Hear Paul on this, Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. You want to know how to debate? You want to know how to have a discussion? You want to know how to like interact with other people, other human beings? How to converse? Number one, let your speech be full of grace. Seasoned with salt. A little salt goes a long way, doesn't it? I mean, you got to put salt in there just to keep that blood thick enough so it pumps well. I get that, but and I realize that, you know, today some people don't want any salt. I know I'm being a little salty today. And I know that, like, people, people can be soft sometimes. It's like, don't hurt my feelings. Don't you dare tell me I'm not achieving my goals. Don't you, um, don't, who do you think you are saying that, you know, as my boss, you can tell me to do my job like a rookie fireman tell me he didn't need to clean the shower on Thursday, even though it was plan of the day. I was kind of salty that day. But I hope you're hearing me on this. I'm not saying we just roll over, but, as, but, as, but the realization I want us to have is that as Christians, sometimes we will conflict with culture. Sometimes we'll conflict with one another. No question about that. But there is so much ugliness going on in the name of God today. And it's just so easy to go there. It's so easy to respond in kind. It's so easy to just blast those people. But when we do it, we're not reflecting the God of the Bible who wants all people to come to Him. When we do it, we look exactly the same as the ugly. Only we just have a couple Bible verses attached to it. That's not right. Is it? You're not sure, are you? You know, when we studied the Apostle Peter's first letter here, we called it countercultural. We discovered that the context there was Christians um, were living in Asia Minor, in that region, and they were living in a very secular culture. They were under a lot of pressure, cultural pressure. They were on the verge of persecution. 
What advice did Peter give them? Do you remember? It's in 1 Peter 2.12. To Christians living in a time of crisis where there's intense pressure on our beliefs and our values and you know, how we live our lives, Peter wrote, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let that soak in. For Christians living under that kind of pressure, Peter says, the key here is how we live. Good lives, which is winsome. That while they say all kinds of ridiculous and mean things about Christians opposing the way of Jesus, we demonstrate the goodness of God. And it's that that brings glory to God. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And can I, as they're coming up, I want to make a plea to you, Sunridge Church, that what God wanted from His people 3,500 years ago, He still wants. God wants His reputation and His character to be reflected by the people who carry His name. That is how we live, what we say, how we say it. It's what we do with our lives, and it's how we do it. And you may ask, Britt, how, how do I live out this intense, intensely important commandment? You've been taking a long time to get to it, Britt. So just tell me, put it in simple terms for me. Here it is, the last thing in your notes. Make God's reputation number one in your life. Make God's reputation number one in your life. Not your reputation, not your tribe. God's reputation, number one. Because wherever we go, whatever we do, we carry His name. We're picking it up and we're taking it with us into work tomorrow, to our homes today, to our restaurants as we leave here, to our little league and soccer, we're carrying his name into our community. Don't we want it to be who God is? That's why his reputation has to be number one. And that's why commandment number three has so much more to it than face value. I don't know about you, but I fail at this every day. Moment by moment, I can stumble, but that's not what I want to do. I want to be a person that when people listen to me or when they, they're around me, they say, that, that must be who God is like. With all my flaws, we carry his name. Let me pray for us. God, these are serious and concerning times. But they are also a huge opportunity for your people to shine the light in a way that is so different, so surprising, so, so fantastic that is right before us, God. Help us 
to want in our hearts more than anything else to represent you in, in your name in this community and the places that you take us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together, church. Hey, everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.